0: Notes from the staff where we talk about our point of view, and we share the things we're gonna do, and we hope you're learning something new. Cause the path to mastering theory begins with you.
1: Welcome to Notes from the Staff, a podcast from the creators of U Theory, where we dive into conversations about music theory, ear training, and music technology with members of the U Theory staff and thought leaders from the world of music education.
0: Hi, I'm David Newman, and I teach voice and music theory at James Madison University, and I write code and create content for Theory.
1: Hi, I'm Greg Risto. I
0: conduct the choirs at the Oberlin Conservatory of Music, and I'm the founder of Theory. Thank you, listeners, for your comments and episode suggestions. We love to read them. Send them our way by email at notes at utheory.com, and remember to like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So today we'll be talking about interval ear training
1: Uh, and interval ear training is central to many teachers and textbooks approaches to sight singing and dictation. Uh, But the title of this episode is maybe a little bit misleading because (laughs) uh, research in music cognition suggests that for most common oral skills, ear training tasks, uh, we process notes by their relationship to a tonic or or by their position in a scale rather than by actually hearing adjacent note-to-note intervallic relationships. So in our conversation today, we'll look at this research on on how we hear uh, and the role that intervals play in that hearing. Uh, We'll talk about why classic techniques for teaching intervals can actually undermine students' reading skills. And we'll look at ways of teaching intervals that instead complement and strengthen students' oral skills. Uh, it's a lot to get through in the course of an hour,
2: <laughs> <It> <laughs> but
1: is. David and I have agreed to, to, to play particular roles on this. So I'm going to, I'm going to be sort of the, uh, the playback, keep us on track role. And David's going to be the, uh, the color commentary <laughs> role playing to our strengths. playing to our strengths for sure. For sure. It is hard to talk about, or even to think about how we hear so much of how we hear music is really innate. It, we don't, you know, especially um, for someone with a, a well-developed ear, how do I know how I know what I'm hearing is, is a hard question to answer. Yeah. And um, fortunately, we have, you know, scientists and researchers who've been looking at exactly this question for a little, I don't know, a little over 40 years now. Uh, and what they have pretty consistently found is that when uh, someone who is in a uh, experienced in a particular musical culture, and so let's say broadly Western music, music that that uh, exists within our, you know, within the, the notes on a, a Western piano, an equal tempered scale. Uh, yeah, a, a tempered, a tempered, a tempered minory or rotation <laughs> of its <laughs> scale, right? Um, it, it, as opposed to, as opposed to, um, for instance, some of the the Turkish collections that have more notes in the scale uh, than than we have, and notes that don't exist on uh, on our piano. So when when so when someone is uh, in cultured in in a musical system, when first they start hearing notes, the primary thing that their brain does is seek to determine. A central pitch what we would call a tonic Uh, and that's 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 known in music cognition as the primacy hypothesis the idea being that that David if I throw a few notes at you before you're going to do anything with those notes your mind is going to say what could potentially be tonic given these notes right and and we're gonna hold on to them we contextualize it exactly exactly we seek to find the context in which that's occurring. And, and we'll tend to hold on to our belief of that central note, as long as we
0: reasonably can, even through the first few notes that, that contradict it. Yeah. I even think this is central to so much of why we enjoy music. Mm -hmm. And so if you enjoy music, you probably do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, and it should be said, you know, we're, we're saying this, and uh, let's just imagine, what if I'm someone with a really strong absolute pitch? And even in those cases, uh, although, yes, someone with absolute pitch will, will, will know immediately, yes, I'm hearing these particular letter names, mm-hmm. they are also still working to contextualize them within some sort of tonal framework. Uh, if that's something that, that you're interested in reading about, uh, one of my favorite articles on this is uh, by Gary Karpinski, and it's his. Uh, it just came out a couple of years ago in uh, Music Theory Online. We'll put the link in the show notes, but this is freely accessible online. Uh, and it's a cognitive basis for choosing a solimization system. And in the first, I don't know, 15 or so paragraphs of it, uh, Karpinski goes through and just summarizes all of the research that has occurred over the past 40 years to this. Um, and the, 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 the big conclusion that, that he lists there is, and I'm going to quote here, these studies and observations lead to the conclusion that while attending to the pitches of tonal music, the first and most fundamental process listeners carry out is tonic inference. And from that we can conclude that the single most immediately knowable tonal characteristic is the tonic. Now, what does all this have to do with intervallic ear training, (laughs) right? But it really comes down to this question of, of how do we actually hear music? And we really hear music based on how the notes relate to a sense of tonic. And we don't actually hear music based on the
0: pitch relationship of immediately adjacent notes or even of vertical notes sounding together. And in fact, I, I mean, I know f- even for myself that if I'm uh, if I'm singing a, a tonal melody, um, I probably could very easily tell you what generic intervals I'm singing at any given time. But I would have to stop and think about what specific intervals. And when I say generic intervals, I just mean, you know, I could tell you that I'm singing a fifth. I could tell you that I'm singing a sixth. But sixths especially, I would have to stop and and think for a second to, to tell you what quality of sixth that was that I was singing because I'm just going between notes in the scale. That's right. That's the simple thing. And and to add intervals to that would be an additional step for me. A really, a really great example of this is to,
1: even to ask someone who believes they're sight singing by intervals, uh-huh. to take a song they know and to sing that song on the specific intervals of the song, right? Like, sing the Star Spangled Banner on specific intervals, right? And take it. <laughs> First note, obviously, right? You, unison, because you have nothing before, right? So, unison, minor third, major third, major third,
2: minor third, third. perfect fourth.
0: fourth, fourth, major third, major second, major second. Oh gosh. um I guess that would be a minor sixth. <laughs> um. Oh, a whole step. Uh, half step.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is, I mean, it's you know, it is it is not it is not how we hear. Um. On the other hand, I as you say, right? I think totally. Yeah. Very often where we're of. Oh, yeah. I'm singing a third. I'm singing another third. And those two thirds were different, right? Right. But but to but us. Mm-hmm. They were thirds in the key. They were thirds in the key, yeah. And and as, as we've talked about on a number of previous episodes, our musical notation system reflects this, right? Our staff right. system, with its use of key signatures, is designed to show us very quickly generic intervals, interval distance within a key, and not specific interval distance or chord quality. It's, just, it's, it's really, it, it makes primary this idea of are are seven note key collections. Yeah, it was designed for tonal music. Uh huh. Because because that's what it that's what that's it reflects. What music was. Yeah, that, that and <laughs> and largely still is. Yeah. Right. In, and what we're getting to here is two approaches to uh, to learning and thinking about intervals, uh, intervals in the context of a key, which throughout this episode we'll refer to as contextual interval hearing. And intervals as pure relationships between any two notes, or what we'll call a contextual hmm. interval training, and if we look at the classic way intervals are taught, which I've started to call the naive approach to teaching intervals, right it blends these two it blends contextual and a contextual interval hearing without being explicit about which is which, which can lead to some real problems, yeah. So it, it, what I mean by by the classic or naive approach is the approach of saying, "Okay, a perfect fourth is here comes the bride," and of course, here comes the bride comes along with context, right? Because it's five one one one, right? And there are six perfect fourths within our diatonic collection, and they don't all feel like five one, I and mean, they can feel very different than that.
0: I, I have a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> we should yeah that should go in the show notes too there's a there's an interval song uh, specifically about fourths actually Um, that's some say that that ascending fourths sound like here comes the bride but change the context and that perfect fourth may not sound the same and your song won't help as planned (laughs) shall we just take a moment and pause and listen to it oh sure say ascending forth sound like here comes the bride but change the context and that perfect forth may not sound the same and our song won't help as planned but learning la. And Timi and Dofa and Raiso can help us hear that forth in different ways, and you'll remember them for all.
1: yeah and and that's and that's exactly it that they that these fourths are are very different and so let's let's now carry that out to its dangers with dictation so if i'm trying to do dictation and i come across a leap and i'm like okay does that sound like here comes the bride if it was from five to one it sure does but if it was one of those other fourths It does not and frankly the more sensitive musical listener you are the less another fourth will sound like the fourth of five to one and so if using this approach will disadvantage our most sensitive listeners okay and so now let's 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 flip and let's say what if we're using this for sight singing um and this is I, i i call this the how do you measure a mile Problem, so David. Uh, if it's so, you know we can see each other on video. Our listeners can't. But uh, if you wanted to measure the size of the room that you're in there, what tool would you want?
0: I would want a really long tape measure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, David. You only have a ruler. What's going to go?
0: A foot long ruler. What what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well. it's, Sounds like when I try and measure a room by uh, pacing it or or by uh, measuring my foot lengths, assuming yeah. that they're about a foot. But since my feet are probably not exactly a foot, even if I had an exact ruler, I'm going to make a little mistake every time. Mm-hmm. Um, And if I'm lucky, the mistakes will kind of counter, cancel each other out by the time I get to the end. But if I'm not lucky they there. I'm going to end up with an incorrect number. Yep. And um, you will have, and, and if you're lucky, you'll have,
1: you'll buy more carpet than you need. And if you're <laughs> unlucky, you'll <laughs> wind up with <laughs> a couple feet of uncarpeted room. Right. Uh, it, yeah. So, so there's this, there's this element, if we're sightseeing by interval that if I ever so slightly misjudge an interval, the inaccuracies can add up. Yeah. Um, but it's more than that, because in fact, as as we know, and especially as you know, singing early music, there are many different ways that are correct of tuning intervals.
0: Yeah, every single one. Every single one, absolutely. But, although in early music, uh, yeah, no, every single one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some more than others. Some yeah. some notes are more equal than others, like Animal Farm. <laughs> some <laughs> intervals are yeah and,
1: and we're going to do an episode on on tuning systems coming up soon um but it, to to give a, a really strong example of that uh if we if we tune a major third like it appears on the overtone series right it,
2: uh,
1: first of all we should say uh the distance between a half step on a piano or any any half step on a piano is can be called 100 cents and The difference between a major third as it appears on the overtone series and the major third as it appears on the piano is 14 cents. Mm -hmm. So if, for instance, you ask someone to arpeggiate an augmented triad until they come back to the starting point Mm -hmm. with overtone major thirds, right? So each of those, each of those intervals is a major third, right? you're going to add 14 cents of difference from the piano each time, which comes up to one, two, three, uh, 42 cents difference. In other words, all, just pretty darn close to a quarter tone away by the time you get to the top.
0: Right, and it's gonna be 42 cents flat, right? That's right, yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, so, we, so we, have, we have that issue, right, with taking by intervals. It, and then we have the issue that's more related to what we were talking about before which is to say that I come across a fourth when I'm sight singing. If that's five to one, Here Comes the Bride is a really useful tool. Mm -hmm. But if it's not five to one and I summon to mind Here Comes the Bride, I have brought with it the context of whatever note I'm starting from being five, even though it's not actually five in the key I'm in, and whoever note I'm going to being one, even though it's not actually one in the key I'm in. And I've caused myself, I've had to briefly erase my tonal context to sing that perfect fourth,
0: which which is problematic. That's the most important thing about th- this whole conversation. If there was a, cl- uh, a a clip to take out, that's that's the one to sh- to share and say, here's here's the main point. I for me, absolutely right. In this, you know, I was joking last episode. I was like,
1: this is the hill I will die on. Is that <laughs> we we cannot primarily do dictation or sight singing by intervals. It works too strongly against tonal context, which is where so much of the meaning of our music
0: comes from. So tell me if I'm distracting from, from the, the stream of thought here, um, but the you know, the, the, the issue then, the problem is that when we're teaching early skills in music theory, mm-hmm. even in oral skills, we'd still need to refer to intervals. So we kind of need people to know what intervals are. And I, I guess the the trick then is how do we introduce intervals without creating these problems?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And a related but different thing is I think that it seems it, it is such a simple idea that if I know all of my intervals... I should be able to sight-sing anything or do any
0: dictation. Right. That's a lovely thing uh, in imagination. In imagination. <laughs> that the, the ends up failing in practice. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, we, so instead, we teach frameworks. Right. For tonal music, we teach frameworks. Yeah. And, and you might be,
1: rightly at this point, saying, should we even bother to teach... Intervals in an ear
0: training context. And, and I think we have to, but the question is, how do we do it?
1: Yeah. No, I will I will tell you, in all of my undergraduate ear training, we had zero intervallic training. Uh-huh. That, that's not true. In the in the last semester
0: when we got to atonal stuff. But did you do that? There was some intervallic training. Uh, but did you have it in written theory, at least? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, um, again, like it's it's not so hard in that exercise that we did earlier to mm-hmm. name the generic intervals. Right. And I think that's something that's, that's pretty straightforward. And of course, if I know the generic intervals and I see a third going up and I see that the second note is raised from what it was going to be in the key, then I know, oh, that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably yeah. going to be a major third <laughs> <laughs> right but, but you know for me
1: e- even when i sing a song i know on specific interval names if i'm being honest i'm not really hearing the specific intervals i am hearing no. the generic intervals the intervals within a key and using my knowledge of music theory right to label those
0: specific intervals yeah yeah that's a, a thing that i don't even think about yeah yeah so let's so it, it, again, coming back to this idea of, of the,
1: the classical or naive approach to interval training, the learn a name of a tune for each interval approach.
0: Oh, I just try and get people not to do that.
1: <laughs> I, I, I do too. I do too. I, because I think it conflates contextual intervallic hearing, intervals within a key, with a contextual intervallic mm-hmm. hearing, pure relationships between two notes. Mm-hmm. Um, But I do think there's... There's value, and as you were just saying, right, in learning intervals within the context of the framework of a key or scale,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and also I think there's value in learning intervals out of that context as as pure sonorities of relationships between notes, especially if we're concerned about tuning in in context. For instance, our you know if we're if we're playing in an orchestra, if we're, if we're basically anything other than a pianist. Right. Uh, Barbershop. Then we have to make decisions about how we tune our intervals. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be just, it would be great to be really practical and go through a bunch of exercises, uh, of contextual intervallic practice Mm -hmm. and of a contextual intervallic practice. Sound good? Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. So, um, these exercises, although we're going to demonstrate these pretty much throughout in major keys, in practice, I also like to do these in harmonic minor as well, because that'll introduce fun intervals like the augmented second and diminished seventh that don't exist (laughs) in the major scale. Um, And although we'll generally demonstrate these using scale degrees, movable solfege works the same way. Right. Pick your system of choice. And although this is a little bit evil, when I do these exercises with my students, I like to switch between a functional system, like scale degrees or movable solfege, uh-huh. and a fixed system, like letter names or fixed dough. Because I want, I want my students at all times to be thinking... To suffer.
2: <laughs> to <laughs> suffer.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Although... No, I, I I want them at all times to be thinking, to to be thinking about uh, both the 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 sort of um, the abstraction that function gives us, yeah, and the specificity that that note names or playing it on an instrument
2: give us.
0: I have mean, just started atonal uh, uh, music uh, oral skills with my class in the last week, and I I told them if their brains are hurting, it just means they're growing neurons. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but their brains should hurt a little bit. It's probably good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah growing neural pathways They already have neurons. Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah, so um Let's just dive in and let's shall we do some exercises together David? I am always game for exercises. Okay, great I'm gonna give you a pattern and would you just uh, Take it and continue it as you know it.
2: Yeah, okay, great one two, two
0: is a major second. Two, two three is a major second. Three four is a half step. Oh, I should say minor second. Four five is a major second. Five six is getting high. It's a major second. Six seven is a major second. Why did I? Uh, why did six I pick just key? Seven is a major second. Seven one is a minor second. Great. Excellent. We're in the key of D. Would you do the same game on letter names, please? Uh, Okay. Is is that D? Yes. Okay. Uh, D. Oh, gosh. It's morning. (laughs) It is morning. D to E is a major second. E to F sharp is a major second. F sharp to G is a minor second. Etc. Etc.
1: Etc. Yeah. 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 I
0: could. And of course, and and for me, by doing that
1: first with numbers or solfege, right? Do to re is a major second. Re to mm. me is a major second. The the words are always the same, no matter what major key you're in, if you're using a movable system. But they change when you're using letter names or fixed do. And to me, there's huge value. In thinking about that, I, I also love to do this game with instrumentalists uh-huh. and uh, have them uh, have them play like on their instrument D E and then sing major second E F sharp and then sing
0: major second. Right. So that the the analytical part they sing and the note naming part they play. Well, I noticed two things about doing that is having just gone through it with just saying the interval names, which. Mm-hmm. Of course, I know very well. Um, when I did it again with letter names, I noticed two things happen. Is One, I already knew what that pattern was because I had just done it. Yeah. Um, and uh, in thinking about what the next note was, I already knew what that pattern was. And therefore, I had another contextual clue. Just in recognizing my own brain process, I had mm-hmm. another t- contextual clue about what that next note would be. Right. And secondly, because I play the piano, I also didn't have to think about what. I, I just I know I know what that next interval is going to feel like, and I think I was envisioning a piano keyboard, and I know that we have, um, you know the the keyboard advantage. Sure in music theory, <laughs> but also a keyboard bias sometimes but but uh, yeah. but I just was recognizing that both of those skills were coming into um, contributing to my ability to do the exercise yeah just in terms of thinking of how how we think and that that's likely to be the skills that are also being developed in the students that are working with it. That's right, and the other thing
1: is in in giving it the specific letter names whether we realize it or not we're practicing interval building Mm -hmm. in uh, in a written theory context orally right and we're also practicing interval recognition in a written theory context orally yeah that we're that we are not only are we are we acknowledging that we have all these different seconds in a scale Mm -hmm. we're looking at them in various different scales and and naming them within the context of
0: those keys Can I also just explicitly add what this is doing is that you were talking about measuring a room. Mm -hmm. And so we're here, we're sitting here, we're naming a bunch of intervals in a row, and each of them is a small interval, but we're always, it's not like measuring with a ruler. It's like taking the tape measure and extending it another foot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And sort of looking at each number on the tape measure as you go through the room. But we're still measuring from the same starting point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, and with this and with all these exercises, if you find you, you have a student or a class that, that loses tonic, that tonic shifts mm-hmm. after a while or that has intonation problems, these are all great exercises to just to have a drone going. Right. Right. Um, and to just have, have it like in this case, it was D major, have a D drone going in the background to, to play it against and to just, and which can also make really beautifully explicit the feeling of each note against tonic. So, right. of course, we just did this with seconds, and we could uh, do this with any other uh, any other interval. Right? We could do it
2: with thirds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, two, three is a major third. Two, two, four is a minor third. Three, right. two, five is a
0: and so on and so forth. And as we said in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the those that builds patterns that they need to know for other things. They absolutely we we all need to know <laughs> know those yeah. patterns for other things. Right, especially the thirds, right, which which yeah.
1: get us towards triads, which are such a fundamental building block right. of our harmonic system. So so those are that I think of those as being um, I, I call them intervalic walks. We're going to walk an interval up or down the scale, right? You know uh, the sequencing of that seems pretty. Darn straight board. Start very, with the, very, very the very second, go to the third, etc. Gradually extend. By the time you get to the seventh, things are really fun. And there are only certain keys that work well, right? Like you gotta start on a pretty low key. <laughs> uh they, it works pretty well with like a key of G, A flat, A. Beyond that, things get a bit ridiculous, but right. but it's still pretty darn fun. Um a compliment to that is taking a note of the scale. And finding all the intervals from that note of the scale. So let's be in this key, since it's morning. Okay, yeah. And uh, David, here's the start of this pattern. Do to re is a major second. Do to mi is a major
0: third. Would you continue it? Do to fa is a perfect fourth. Do to so is a perfect fifth. DO to LA is a major 6th, DO to T is a major 7th, DO to DO is a perfect octave. Great, and then we should do the upside down version, starting DO to T. DO to T is a minor 2nd, DO to LA is a minor 3rd, DO to SO is a perfect octave. Great, and and so on and so
1: forth. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, We're in the key of B flat, would you do the version coming down on letter names? Oh, okay.
0: B flat to A is a minor 2nd. B flat to G is a minor third. B flat to, uh, wait, what am I doing? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, yeah, you're, right,
0: yeah. you're right, you're right, you're right. B flat to F is a perfect fourth. B flat to E flat is a perfect fifth. Should I continue? B flat to D is a, B flat minor, B D sixth. Is a minor sixth. B flat to C is a minor seventh. B flat to B flat is a perfect octave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It engages your
1: brain in a very different way, doesn't it? It does. And 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 I love that. That's why I I will pretty much
0: always do this both ways. Uh huh. And, and again, that uh that um that pattern is really obvious. But then, having established that pattern, mm-hmm. there's you have another tool to to, uh, do the note naming pattern that you've yeah. just done if you do right. it in that order. Right.
1: Uh, and you know, the, the other thing about this going to note names like that is a preparatory exercise for sightseeing where mm-hmm. we are looking at, at notes on the staff that, that have names. And yes, we could do it just by spotting the intervallic distance. <laughs> this is some sort of fourth, mm-hmm. right? But, but, or, or saying, oh, yeah, I, I recognize I'm going to, I, I've spotted which line so is on, or which space in this case so is on, right? Right. The word thing treble clef. Um, but here by doing specific names, we're, we're reinforcing the, the note names of the staff. We're, we're hopefully causing all of these things to, to come together to be, to, um, be thought about in in all those different ways at once you and and did you stop thinking about your solfege as you were singing letter
0: names um i wasn't explicitly thinking about solfege were you aware of your solfege uh if you had asked me at any moment where i was then i would yes i would know yeah Uh, this to me
1: is i think the big truth about this right is that exercises like this we have to know where we are in the scale to do
0: them. Ah, oh, right, yeah. Even if we're not explicitly naming out loud where we are in the scale. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then that, that solves the, uh, the dilemma that we were talking about earlier of, of how do I teach intervals without, without confusing people about, <laughs> about um, yeah, without, without, without introducing a problem into the situation. Yeah, yeah. Now, that exercise, it's a little less obvious
1: of, of how you continue from there. Like, what's the next step with that exercise? I love to do, to continue this one in two different ways. Mm-hmm. To take Do, and we still do intervals to Do or to, to tonic. Mm-hmm. But let's start the pattern, let's work in the octave of five to five instead of in the octave of one to one. All right. right. That's a very Delcroze thing. It is a very Delcroze thing. So let's <laughs> let's imagine that we were in this key. Right? So there's our one. We're right. going to work in the octave of, of, of one to five. So we're going to go one to five
0: is a perfect fourth. One to six is a minor third. Would you continue? Oh, one to seven is a minor second. One two, one is a unison. Ooh, that rhymes. Yeah, that should be a song. Right. <laughs> uh, one to two is a major second. One two, three is a major third. Then the rest feels like just what we were doing. The before. same, exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and so, and, and as you're discovering, the farther up we move, one, mm-hmm. the harder that becomes. Mm. Right. So that if we say now, let's say this is one. And, and okay, we're... And, and we're going to and we're going to uh work in the octave of three to three. So starting from one down to three. Go ahead, David.
0: One, two, three is a ma- minor sixth. One two, four is a perfect fifth. One two five is a perfect fourth. Etc. Cetera, th- et cetera. Now David, we're in the key of A flat. Can you do that in letter names? Oh gosh. Uh A to C is a minor sixth. Or sorry, A flat to C. Uh A flat to B. D is um, D, D what kind of D? D, D flat, thank you. D mm-hmm. to... Yeah, oof, you know, got to uh-huh. visualize yeah, yeah, my yeah. keyboard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it's, you know, it, and this is also a good one because uh, it works pretty well to do this game uh, as you introduce the various keys, right? So like you can, mm-hmm. like, you know, once you get two sharps and two flats, this mm-hmm. game is really easy to do from like B-flat as, as a low one just going up, or D, right? And Yeah. Um, okay, so there's this version of it, and then the related version of it is, instead of moving one up or down, take any note of the scale as the note we're bouncing to and from. So for instance, oh. let's come to this key. <laughs> and now we're going to go to five always, like this. One, two, five is a perfect
0: fifth. Two, two, five is a perfect fourth. Would you continue? Three, two, five is a minor third. Four, two, five is a major second. Five, two, five is a unison, which doesn't rhyme. Five, two, six is a major second. Five, two, seven is a major third. Five, two, one is a perfect fourth. Yeah,
1: exactly. Did I do that right? you did that yes you absolutely did yeah yeah and then and then the reverse is just
2: one two five is a perfect fourth Self, two five five is a major third Six, two five is a major second right. etc
1: right and similarly we can switch to note names here i'm in c major so i should practice pretty these pretty easy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah right and there i could y- use some refresher course <laughs> <laughs> um and and so right of course you have uh you have all the various varieties of those, and yeah, and I quite I quite love those. Um, and if you want to get really crazy, you can combine the two of them. And we we're, we're working in the compass of one to one, right, the range of mm-hmm. one to one. But we could work instead in the compass of, like, say, five to five, going to two every time. Right. Right? So in other words, let's say we're in this key. One.
2: And we're going to do... Five to two is a perfect fifth.
0: Six to two is a. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I mm. don't even think of that. All right. <laughs> uh, wait. Five to two. Five to two is a perfect fifth. This requires so many levels of thinking. Yes, it does. Yes, it does.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so six to two is a perfect fourth seven to two is a minor third one to two is a major second two to two is a unison two to three is a major second two to four is a minor third two to five is a perfect fourth
1: and sing Um, one uh one yes yes always sing one at the end of that exercise to give a
0: sense of closing it off yeah and yeah, yeah. And then just, just to make sure that you've kept your mm-hmm. tonic in mind, that would be a good diagnostic yes, yes. tool to see if you've lost track of your tonic. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And, and if we were in F sharp major, right? So oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it, right. but but you see, right, and you just see how how you can layer this up and up and up. And effectively yeah. I You know, I think about these as just being exercises to prepare us
0: for whatever might come at us in the context of a key. You know, it's great. And listen, this is is absolutely tangential, except that I'm totally obsessed with Duolingo. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to Poland soon. And so I've been doing Polish. And Polish is hard. And... Uh unfortunately I started learning Polish on Duolingo a couple years ago and then I kind of stopped doing it for a while and and now I started again and now it thinks I know more than I know. And you actually know yeah. <laughs> and uh and throws really hard things at me. But I was just thinking this feels like that, you know, you you sit and you do something and you go, "Well, I don't I don't remember." Mm. And you but the process of doing it, the process of suffering through it a little bit is the process that makes us better. Mhm. It's just great. I'm, that's probably just stating the obvious. But uh, when I think of something like this, that when it feels challenging, is the part where a, a part of us tends to wanna go, ooh, that's scary, I'm gonna avoid it. Mm-hmm. Those are the times when we should dive in and try it. And it, by doing it, we're gonna get better and it will get easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lean
1: in a little bit to that. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Uh there you know, there's uh the the mind is very good at self protection. Right. <laughs> it wants to it will happily divert from things that make us recognize our limitations. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and it does take a little bit of self uh managing to, to lean into those. Um or a teacher, right? I mean I think this is mm-hmm. the real value of a teacher. Who, who who picks something for us to do rather than <laughs> letting us just keep playing the music that we already play well because it's so fun to do. Right. 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 Um, okay, so th- these can be extended. Uh, the other thing, of course, you can go from these to then doing this with triads, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's say we're in this key I'm doing one, three, five, major one, two, four, six, minor two three five seven minor three and so on and so forth yeah um which which of course is is preparing students to uh both is helping remind students of the qualities of of each triad within the scale uh, but also of of their their spellings and scale degrees or
2: selfish do mi so major one uh Re, fa, la, minor, two, mi, so, si, minor, three, oh fa, la, do. Right? And
1: especially if you're, if you're a theory teacher who, is, uh, who loves scale degrees, but uh, whose oral skills classes are taught in solfege, uh-huh. this is a great way to help your solfege fluent students with their Roman numeral spelling and identification.
0: So it just occurred to me that I can make another version of my chord spelling song, which I wrote to teach court spelling, but I could I you know I could I could change it from um do mi so fala do so so do 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 you could then do major one, major four, major five and then one one one. Yeah, um, totally, totally. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: Interesting. And so so you know, that that gets pretty easy pretty quickly, though same rule applies, right? But d sharp f sharp major <laughs> one c sharp e g sharp minor two d sharp right. f sharp a sharp right because because i put us in b major
0: but i can um, hear that you're already but you're already rec- recruiting other things that you know right mm-hmm. to do that yeah yeah um, and and then
1: you know having done that i love to then do that in inversion So let's move first inversion triads up the scale, right? I call these triadic walks Uh in the same way that we had interval walks, right?
2: So one, three, six, minor six, two, four, seven, diminished seven, three, five, one, major one, four, six, two, minor two, and then B D sharp G sharp minor six C sharp E A sharp <laughs> diminished seventh D sharp F sharp B major one E G sharp C
1: sharp minor two Right or 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 second version uh
2: one four six major four two, uh, two five, five, seven, five seven major, major five
1: Etc., right? Mm, um, yeah. And then, and then, and then, you know, and then spelling them as well. And then, of course, ditto with the seventh chords. And the seventh <laughs> chords in inversions are just delightful. <laughs> right? Especially like your four two position chords. All right. right.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, there's, cer- just, there's certainly unlimited potential potential for there are, for making your students suffer in a, in a good learning fashion. (laughs) Yeah. And I always like to say to my students, well, you've always got to walk
1: places. You've always got to drive places, you know, Uh or you're, or or you're, or you're making dinner or you're doing dishes or you're vacuuming or whatever, folding laundry. Here's something you can just do. Uh Like just pick one of these and go
0: and, you know, gradually build up your, your fluency. Now there there's another pattern. I don't know if it it, it fits with these, but it, it's an al- uh, alternative. I I did. Um, John Peterson showed me a pattern where you um look at all the half steps mm-hmm. and you sing the half steps first. So you sing you take toe and you sing mi to fa is a half step and ti to do is a half step, and then you do do to re is a major second. <laughs> Re right oh. to me is a major second. You do a fa to so is a major second. So to la is a major second. You do all the half steps. You do all the minor seconds, then the major seconds, then the minor thirds. Oh, Then yeah. the major thirds. But you're doing them out of order. This is beautiful. Within this, I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, oh, that is great. But then, then you really have to think about, I think it's particularly useful, just... Right at the beginning, that you're cementing where those half steps are.
1: Yeah. Well, but but then also with each of the intervals. Ooh, ooh. I, I'm going to add this to my. David, thank you for that. One. I'm going to add this to my <laughs> to my list. <laughs> you know, and and it it's, it is worth just being really explicit here about the fact that these are exercises. These are right. not especially musical things. Um, and you know, I, I, I trained as a pianist. And so to me, these are like, like Hanon, the Hannon exercises in piano or the, right. That we just take, or, um, right. Or they're just v- these, these different little finger wiggling patterns <laughs> that, uh, that effectively force us to get familiar with all the possible ways of wiggling our fingers. And, and this is, this is that for
0: ear training. You know, and, and on top of that, um, sorry, that just connected to a thing that I was just talking to. I have a former student who's a wonderful, um, middle school choir director and college choir director, uh, in Virginia, uh, Tim Drummond. And he, um, and we were talking about intervals cause I told him we were doing this podcast and we were, uh, we were talking about intervals and in solfege and, um, the, we were talking about the fact that you you really the goal if you compare it to reading, just doing one interval at a time is like reading one phoneme at a time mm-hmm. or one letter at a time, and uh, ideally, we want to broaden to seeing words, and those Hannon exercises allows you to see this finger wiggling pattern as a word, yeah yeah, and similarly want we want to develop some of that with singing maybe that's out of the context of intervals
1: (laughs) okay so david one other fun thing i like to do with this Mm -hmm. is uh what i call coded melodies and so um i've i've written here do you see on our our shared google doc do you see my outline for a coded melody so a coded melody you're given the starting solfezger scale degree Mm -hmm. and then you're given a, a series of generic intervals from that right um and part of the challenge is like you'll see plus one, and your instinct is to go up a second, but plus one means just a unison. So just beware.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Right, which is our weird, our weird system. So, so I'll just read off this one to our listeners. Well, this could get confusing. It though. does. It does. <laughs> but so are intervals, right? So um so here's the coded melody for you. Do plus one plus two minus three. Plus two, plus two, plus two, plus one. Plus two, minus two, minus two, minus two, plus two, minus two, minus two, minus two plus two. Um, and so... Now okay, you, well, I, as soon as I got to the third interval, I recognized Of it. course, of course. <laughs> but, would you, but would you sing it for us on those intervals? And actually, would you turn it into specific interval names? And
0: let's put it in this key. Do. So, do, unison, major second, minor third, minor second major second major second oh uh, no sorry oh, yes. wait, wait, uh, major second unison major uh minor second minor second major second major second i have to put my finger on them so i keep track of myself major second major second, major second minor second minor second yes
1: yes and and Part of the challenge of that is David's looking at like plus two, minus two, minus two, minus two, plus two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And each of those twos are different. It, there are different kinds of twos. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to keep track as you're doing that of it, it, and there was that moment where you sang um
2: major second unison major minor second, <laughs> right?
0: Of, <laughs> as you went from right. three to four, from me to fa there, right? Ah. And what did hap- what happened in my brain? I didn't think, ooh, this sounds like a minor second. I thought, I'm going from me to fa. I have to sing a minor second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but,
1: but, but it does then start to draw on both of those things of like, oh, oh, I, oh, that's me to fa. Oh, right. That does sound like a minor second
0: which i think and and the moment we start to sing more complicated music we need to have sort of both of those strategies at hand because yes m- the music that we sing is going to modulate <laughs> yeah and and so and here i want to i want to come back to
1: why do i torture my poor students and have them sing these things <laughs> both on letter names and on scale degrees mm-hmm. it's because i because by going through this kind of series when a student is doing something like
2: Um, d to f sharp is a major third e to g is a minor third they're also thinking two to four is a minor third but there's also this awareness that that could be three to five is a minor third at which point we could have modulated
1: down a whole step granted it's a weird modulation right 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 right, right. but there but but there becomes this explicitness of oh yeah i recognize that i've seen d to f sharp as 1 to 3. Yeah. I've seen it as 4 to 6. I've seen it as 5 to 7. I've seen it as 6 to 1 in F-sharp minor. Right. Right. I've seen it, I've seen it as all these different things. And, and what that opens up then, as, as we talk about more complex music, is this potential to take any combination of two notes and to recontextualize them in a different collection, a different scale, a different key. Uh, which which opens up then that world of modulation and, and the word of world of mixing between major and minor and, and all of that wonderful stuff
0: yeah and recontextualization is the source of all goodness in music it is it is, it is heaven for me honestly <laughs> hyperbolic but
1: <laughs> I, you know
0: I don't know I mean
1: hyperbolic yeah, but like it's when the when, when you stand still and the world changes around you is uh-huh. that is an experience that we don't get. Mostly in life, but we can have in music, and it's magical.
0: And Taylor Swift exploits it all the time, it, right? <laughs> Although she's just explo- re- exploiting. Uh, here's this what this little melodic fragment uh, sounds like with in this harmony, and now I'm going to change the harmony, and now I'm going to repeat this melodic fra- fragment one more time with a completely yeah. different harmony. Yeah. And um, and we obviously love that. She sells a lot of albums. Yeah, yeah. No, I I love that. And let's be honest, that is a you know that is that trick is
1: we find that in Beethoven as well. Oh yeah. I mean, like it's it is yeah. It's that's great. So okay, so all of these have been uh, contextual intervalic training exercises of intervalic training within keys. We can also do a contextual intervallic training, right? And I think it, there's real value to this, especially for learning intonation. Mm. Um, and so I, just, I thought maybe just to share um, a couple of quick exercises for this. Brass players are especially familiar with this game. Um, there's a series of exercises mm. called the Remington exercises, and the way the Remington exercises work is you start on a note and you uh, work chromatically down, going between that note and a half step below, back to the note, whole step below. Why am mm-hmm. I describing this when I could just be singing it, David? Mm-hmm. Right, so in other words, the rhythmic exercises, uh, usually on instruments, you go,
2: which is a minor second, major second, minor third, mm-hmm.
1: Major third, etc. Right, mm-hmm. and I love to do. So I, I learned these from brass players. By the way, by the way, uh, Remington, uh, Emory Remington was a professor of trombone at the Eastman School of Music for ages and ages and ages, mm. and has a room named after him, the Remington oh. Room, on the ninth floor of Eastman's <laughs> annex, uh, which All is right. totally random. Which was at one point the basketball court. And prior <laughs> to that. Prior to that was the dance studio when Martha Graham, when Eastman had a dance program and when Martha Graham was on the dance faculty of Eastman. I met her.
0: You met Martha Graham? I did. Oh my gosh. In Spoleto in 1989, in in Charleston. Yeah, near the end of her life. Spoleto Festival in like 1989, I think. Amazing, amazing. Anyway, so these rooming exercises,
1: I do these all the time with my choirs. And the way I do them is we start from a mid-range note, usually after F sharp. Let's take F sharp, and I have them sing half steps, working their way out. So we go
2: half step, half step, whole step, whole step, minor third, minor third, major third, major third, third
1: etc. Mm-hmm. up to the up to the seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they get good at that, I have them do it in canon. So, in other words, at, canon at one note. So I'm going to uh-huh. do that with the piano and myself. Uh-huh.
2: Minor. Oh,
1: let me put it in my octave. Here we go. <laughs> oh, that is my octave. Sorry.
2: Minor second. Minor second.
1: Right, or go yeah. in opposite directions. So some go up, while some go down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and and always as I'm doing this, I when I'm doing it with a choir, I conduct it, and anything that's ever so slightly out of tune, I just freeze on mm-hmm. that until we find the exact tuning of it,
0: and and then we come come back. Um, yeah. Uh, of course, the danger is, so then what is the exact tune? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's, and I'm so glad you asked this. And so when, when
1: I'm doing this exercise, mm-hmm. I will take the, the just intervals for each. Mm. So the, the minor third higher than the piano, the major third lower than the piano, mm. et cetera. Um, and yeah. Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do an episode on tuning systems and so we can we can dive into that more there. But yeah, but that is for me, that is really about helping a choir to hear and, and you know same and this is why brass players do it so much, right Because they are really trained to right. hear those overtone intervals. and they have to uh, and they have to they have to because because of how their instruments work, the fundamental is so present right. that we hear any any lack of tuning much more strongly. Um, and because of the shape of the bell, right? The dampening of every other partial. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear intonation so much more clearly with those. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, so Remington exercises, and you can see how those can play out in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the one, so I learned this from a student of a student of Nadi Boulanger, which I, you know, as I said before, is like everyone in the world is a student of a student of Nadi Boulanger, right? Yeah. So um, she had this exercise, I am told, uh, where, uh, she would play, uh, an interval at the piano and you had to name it, uh, using the distance in half steps of that interval. So a minor second would be called a one, a major second, a two, cause there are two half steps in it, a minor right. third, a three, a major third, a four, a perfect fourth, a five, an augmented fourth, a sixth, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and she started with just half and whole steps. So one versus two. Mm -hmm. And the way this works is I'm going to play and you are to listen not for the separate notes. Mm -hmm. This is very important in this exercise. Mm. Do not concern yourself, but intentionally try to pay no attention to hearing the two notes, the two distinct notes you hear. Uh Instead, would you listen to how they rub with each other? Right. Would you listen to the sound of their
0: relationship Rather than to the sound of each note. So, should uh, should I be explicitly listening for the beating between them? Effectively, yes. Imagine you were kind of a tuner, and you're listening uh-huh. to yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, shall we try this? Sure. Just ones and twos, so just the halfs and whole steps. Here we go. Should
0: oh, I answer? Y-
1: yes, you should say aloud either one or
0: two. Right. Yes. One. Whole. Oh, uh, yeah. Two. Or one. Oh, sorry. Two One. Two Two. 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 One. And, and so on and so forth. Right? suddenly that becomes more that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That is not an exercise I've done before that, especially on the last two, Mm -hmm. the, the beating became very apparent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the more, the more you do this Mm -hmm. to me, like each interval has its own color. Mm -hmm. And in this kind of exercise, you really can't, you can't be thinking about key so much because the key is constantly changing around you. Right. And you actually start to focus in on
0: what what the interval itself sounds like. It's it is it's a focusing exercise. It's a it's a it that's great.
1: Yeah, I I I love this exercise. I adore it. And so she would do ones twos, then she'd do threes fours. So major uh-huh. and minor thirds. Then she'd do one two three four. Right. Then she would do fives and sevens.
0: So perfect fourth versus perfect fifth. Right. Ooh, that's... Uh-huh. Those are, those are uh, astoundingly tricky. Those are
1: astoundingly tricky. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Uh, it, it, I, d- to be clear, I believe those are astoundingly tricky for one primary reason. If I play perfect fourth, mm-hmm. this note... In it has the overtone an octave higher. Right. So you're hearing this perfect fourth and this perfect fifth. They are both present. But the perfect fourth is louder. If I play now a perfect fifth, this note has this octave in it. So you're hearing a perfect fifth and a perfect fourth.
0: So it is impossible
1: to play on an overtone-rich instrument. It's impossible to play a perfect fourth and not hear a perfect fifth. It's right. impossible to play a perfect fifth and not hear a perfect fourth. Right. So you really have to focus down to the fundamentals of each yeah. note. So okay, so then yeah, so five and seven, perfect fourth, perfect, fifth. Then after that, six, eight, and nine all together. The tritone, the minor sixth, and the major sixth. Hmm. And then ten and eleven together. So at, at which point, uh, and then finally, yeah, you've got everything, right? And- so Um, And then having done that, you go back and you do the whole cycle again with three notes. Oof. And you're to name the bottom interval. For instance, if I play... That's two, two. But if I play... That's two, one. Uh Or if I play... That's one, two.
0: Right? And you gradually build it up that way so that you're mm-hmm. and you're still hearing the beating of those two. That's right. Separate... You listen for the beating.
2: hmm
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah. All right. And this training, as as I think painful as it is, <laughs> that training has made me more effective than I care to admit at hearing wrong notes and out-of-tune notes in choirs and orchestras. I, I I owe a huge amount of the work I do on the podium to that, to that kind of training of saying, Oh, I should have, I should have been hearing four, three, four, right. Uh-huh. Or four, three, three. And, and I'm here, right. Or, or like, or I'm expecting to hear a two, three, two. And instead I'm hearing, you know, something different and especially in non-tonal contexts like this is yeah this is in in my mind i hear a chord and those those boulanger numbers pop out at me (laughs) i'm there like i'm like there's a two in that chord there is a five in that chord there is a seven in that chord um and yeah uh Anyway, it's you know it's a it's a different way of of hearing and thinking about intervals, but the combination of that with tonal
0: contextual stuff I find very powerful. Well, I think you know as long as a strategy is useful, mm-hmm. then then having multiple strategies is just gonna make you uh, a better musician <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, we got through everything in in
1: about an hour. I feel like this was a lot... My mind actually feels a little bit tired of like, I
0: need to stop thinking about intervals for a while now. I don't know about yours. Uh, Mine is... uh, Yeah, mine is also uh, running at a million miles a minute, but I'm also thinking like, huh, I think I know what I'm doing in class tomorrow morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So yeah, we'll we'll soon be talking about um, tuning systems and temperament. And uh, as we found can't really talk about intervals without talking about that. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that'll be a lot of fun, but yeah, David, it's been, it's been fun to, uh, to do some interval stuff with you. I feel once again, enlightened. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I I am going to take that exercise from John Peterson and I am going to go and do it through the full interval cycle because that, what a delight that is. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Well, uh, see you next time. All right. See you soon.
2: Notes from the Staff is produced by
1: Utheory.com. Utheory is the most advanced online learning platform for music theory. With video lessons, individualized practice, and proficiency testing, Utheory has helped more than 100,000 students around the world master the fundamentals of music theory, rhythm, and ear training. Create your own free teacher account at utheory.com slash teach.